0: This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery.
1: Everyone is still looking for growth, but what growth means depending on where you are in the country can be very different.
0: Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. I asked two really smart colleagues to join me today because I wanted to explore the many ways Healthcare's hitting reset today. That's a big theme for SG2 this spring. Dave Murphy and Tracy Bentley, who've been leaders on our client relations team for several years, working with really a wide range of some of our most premier health systems in markets all over the country. I wanted to tap into their knowledge of our members and learn what's top of mind for health system leaders right now. Tracy, I'll go to you first. What are two or three of the big issues that health system strategy teams are focused on right now?
1: Number one, hands down from what I hear, are workforce challenges followed by physician alignment and then a really new dedicated focus to health equity. From a workforce perspective, everyone is competing for clinical talent, for administrative talent. Certainly, that economics created by COVID has everybody shifting around. What is particularly challenging is going to be a far longer trend is the cost of our workforce has essentially risen pretty dramatically over the last couple of years. And frankly, I don't think that it will ever come down. Essentially, what it's doing is further compressing or further putting pressure on margin and profitability, which is something that we're going to really have to focus on and figure out for the long term. From a physician alignment perspective, there's actually a couple components there, but it also ties to that margin pressure that many systems are facing as well. I work with a number of large academic medical centers all across the country. For many of them, one of their areas of focus, or renewed focus in this current year is really on growing their primary care footprint. As they look at their competitors in the market that are the non-academics, many of them will tell you that they feel that they have a very undersized primary Primary care base. The former model of unaffiliated primary care referring into their tertiary and quaternary centers are being disrupted because the community hospitals have upped their own ability to take care of high acuity patients. And their community competitors have done a good job of growing the primary care base and working on their clinical continuity and, and reducing leakage. What it starts to raise questions about is, can these AMCs actually afford to buy all of the primary care in the marketplace? The answer is no, and it's probably not the smart thing to do anyway. I work with several systems in Florida, and when you read the headlines, there's a lot of investment going into buying up physician practices at multiples. Not only are the hospital systems not able to afford, but from a regulatory perspective, aren't able to do. They're really thinking through what are the different models that they can put into place other than employ to more closely align physicians to enable their mission. And then last but not least, certainly health equity is a really interesting one to look at in terms of it's huge. For many years, it's one of those things where senior leaders were thinking and certainly committed to investing. But certainly over the last two years, there's been a renewed focus in in tangibly moving the metrics to improve equity within their systems. And probably the biggest change I've seen for strategy teams is two dominant models. Nearly every system has health equity on their strategic plan. And in some cases, it is the strategy team who are leading the Those efforts, but in many cases, there'll be a community health improvement department or the department that had historically led the community health needs assessment plans, really leading that work. I see two dominant models in the systems that I work with either strategy taking that on themselves or partnering with other departments within their system.
2: That's great. And it also has to do with how mature the health system is and thinking through that health equity initiative. With some of your more mature systems that I've worked on a little bit longer or have added a lot of resources in the health equity, social determinants of health space, might have their own department for taking that on. That's much bigger and much more experienced in the space than just necessarily doing the community health needs assessment.
0: That's good. It's exciting to hear that strategy should view it as if we do our jobs, this is eventually going to land somewhere else where people who have more operational control over day-to-day stuff can probably impact it more. That makes sense. Dave, you also work with a little bit different mix of members than Tracy. Was their list of priorities any different than the top things
2: Tracy mentioned? Certainly, those three are big in the clients that I'm working with. The other piece of workforce I will mention, as they're looking at growth initiatives, as they're looking at setting up new areas or new programs, now the concern is, are we going to be able to staff them and get the people in place to actually get this program or this initiative moving? Two others that I'll touch on here that I'm hearing a lot is really a look again at service distribution, especially as we're continuing to have an accelerated shift of care from inpatient to hospital, outpatient to ASCs, and then even on down to the physician clinic as well. And then the other one, looking at growth opportunities, and this is related to service distribution that have really big differences by capacity issues in the inpatient setting. So touching on both of those, when talking about service distribution, a lot of our clients are coming and saying, we've got recent mergers or acquisitions where you have either new hospitals or two health systems coming together. And they have all these brick and mortar entities, and they're trying to decide, do we have the right things in place for the needs of our community? Or do we have all these buildings and facilities that are high cost that we may not need in five years. Then they're very different stories by market for those markets that are in big growth. There may actually be some demand for inpatient capacity and beds, but for other communities that might not have the same growth, with so much shifting to the outpatient, there may not be that need for inpatient towers to be built. So there's really different stories by market. Then the other piece here as a part of this is that we're hearing a lot about is the ASC setting and what to do there and thinking through for those systems that haven't created a robust ASC strategy they need to now or they needed to five years ago. And this ties back to trade Tracy's discussion on physician alignment as well.
0: Dave, 100 years ago, when you were my boss and I was in a role similar to yours, one of the things I liked the best is the patterns of similarities and differences across markets because we don't geographically focus. And so we end up working with organizations across a diverse set of markets. What are some things, Tracy, I'll go to you first, where you've noticed differences right now as systems are thinking about growth opportunities, depending on the type of market they're in?
1: Right now, I work with members literally coast to coast and pretty much north to south too. If we look at markets like Florida and South Texas, for example, those systems aren't looking for growth. The demand is almost infinitive. The demand is there. The question really becomes, where do they put facilities? What are the types of facilities that they need? And how do they actually manage the demand for healthcare services in the market? Not that competition isn't important, but that's almost secondary that there's more organic growth than probably any of the competitors can comfortably manage with their current assets and delivery systems. But then you can also contrast that pretty starkly with other parts of the country where when we're out of covid peaks, the beds are more and more empty and certainly they're trying to figure out how they can be more competitive and differentiate themselves in the marketplace because there really isn't much organic growth. Everyone is still looking for growth, but what growth means depending on where you are in the country can
0: be very different.
2: Dave, is that a similar pattern
0: to what you've heard?
2: It is. I work with a couple of markets that are just explosive growth, and that's right. It's thinking about things differently. The other piece that I would say that's very different by markets continues to come back to both physician alignment, physician relations, and then also how far down the risk pathway are markets too. So those would be the other big pieces.
1: Yeah. To add on to the growth initiatives, I have some clients that have multi-billion dollars worth of capital on their plans for this year. While there are a lot of organizations thinking how they can repurpose physical assets, there are a number of markets where it is not heard of to see every competitor building fairly sizable towers in their marketplace, in addition to all of the ambulatory assets they are trying to build as well. Inpatient demand is not going away by any means, but certainly in these high growth markets, you see some pretty sizable investments being made in new physical assets on the inpatient side as well as the ambulatory
0: one other thing i've noticed it's not necessarily market specific but i've just seen variation across orgs many who built a traditional strategy team versus an alternative revenue team it's been really hard for them to stay focused on the
2: alternative revenue stuff right now and most are thinking about traditional growth channels is that what you've seen too What I saw maybe five years ago, Trevor, maybe 10 years ago, was there's a move towards portfolio diversification as far as revenue goes and putting teams around that. I've seen a small shift away from that. I think there's still an enterprise strategy and thinking about being bolder in new spaces. But what I have seen is kind of coming back to, we are a health system and we're going to focus on our core competencies.
0: All right, Dave, I'm going to come back to you with the last question about a prediction for the summer. What do you think we're going to hear as the hot topics in
2: the next three or six months? Unfortunately for me, it's not the Chicago Cubs baseball team. I don't think that's going to be a hot topic this year at all. But the two that I do think will pop up, digital health and engaging with the healthcare consumer, and then coming back to physician strategy. And I say strategy, not necessarily just alignment. So let me explain both. Digital health is a hot topic today. I've had three or four conversations yet this week on the topic that will only increase as health systems are putting together bigger teams around this. And really an emphasis on how do they stay relevant? How do health systems stay relevant? when their healthcare consumer doesn't necessarily need to go see them. It can be done either virtually from home, interacting on the web, asking questions. How does the health system continue to be relevant to these consumers? This is a super hot topic and one that SG2 is putting a lot of resources and work around this year. Just because
0: everyone got more experience with it last year doesn't mean everyone's opinion of it improved. I feel like there was two camps before, and those camps just got more arrows in their quiver in terms of stories and anecdotes they want to tell that back up their perspective. I haven't heard one system say, oh, yeah, like we got a lot more evangelical physicians now after the last two years. I've been in some facilitated some of those discussions, and there's still two camps. Tracy, you made a face. Am I wrong?
1: I was actually just thinking there are some examples where COVID forced the hand of many physicians. And one of the members that I work with, their neurologists and neurosurgeons weren't really interested in participating in their virtual health program. And this is a system that invested pretty early in virtual health, both hospital to hospital and direct-to-consumer offerings. Essentially, once COVID forced the virtual engagement, I was having a conversation with their neuroscience leader who said, you'll never guess what. Our neurologists, who are the biggest naysayers, love it and actually are the biggest promoters of using virtual health. So there are some small wins out there, and I think we've proved that we can do it. But we were forced to grow the virtual health component of this so very quickly and maybe not in the most thought out way. It's still a relatively immature modality for delivering care as we continue to get better at it, build the infrastructure, be able to do things like have your diagnostics, your labs or things like that that are all packaged within the virtual platform. I think we'll continue to see it grow, but I think virtual health is just one component over the overall larger digital health umbrella.
2: The bigger piece of this is going to be patient and healthcare consumer acquisition. And how are we using digital tools to better engage with those consumers? And how do health systems compete against private equity money that's coming into this space too? And then the second topic I had was talking about physician strategy. This isn't new, but it is broader than just physician alignment. As you're doing the programmatic planning, as you're thinking about new initiatives, what is the physician component? And beyond just alignment, what's the physician need? And then how do you get to that by building your portfolio of physicians through different ways, which will differ by service areas, service lines?
1: So I'm going to go in a completely different direction with my bold prediction for the summer and actually take a look at health system leadership. There are a lot of impending retirements. I think we've got 20-some of the academic medical center CEOs have announced their retirement or, or in the process of transitioning right now. My bold prediction is that this summer we'll see a lot of new faces in the C-suite, and I'm hoping that these new leaders will come with new competencies and experience to propel the health systems into the future. The experiences that have made some of these 30 plus years CEOs incredibly successful in their jobs in the past. I think there's probably some new skills, like understanding what digital health actually means and how you implement it. And the different timelines for implementing certain technology versus the other is a little bit different than buying MRIs because we've done that for 20 years. I'm really hoping that we see boards really looking for new leaders that have a diverse background and diverse experience that. Can help propel our health systems into the future.
0: Well, thank you both. I do think it's a moment where systems are hitting reset. Strategy teams are at the tip of the spear there and thinking about where do we find growth opportunities in this new reality and they're having to evolve and change quickly. So thanks for helping us keep a finger on the pulse of what strategy teams and strategy leaders are talking about and thinking about our health systems. Look forward to having you both back on SG2 Perspective soon. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments, or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts.